0: Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Broke Down podcast. My name is Jonathan. I'm your host. This is episode number 94. I've got a great guest this week and a fun conversation, but I want to start by apologizing to everyone for being late with this one. Insert hilarious excuse here, I guess. Uh, If I had one, I would, but really I'm just distracted by life, family, streaming concerts, my own guitar, you name it. Before we go any further, I'd like to remind you that the Broke Down Podcast is one of the founding community podcasts of Osiris Media. Osiris is in the business of creating great podcasts and more about the things that you love, so head on over to OsirisPod.com and learn all about it. For example, if you, like myself, are a fan of Trey Anastasio, then you definitely want to head over there to hear the trailer for their new show, Alive Again, It's a limited series exploring Trey's solo work via interviews with Trey and many of his collaborators from the birth of Tab to the Beacon Jams. You can learn all about it and hear that trailer at OsirisPod.com. So my guest this week is Buck Curran. He's a really soulful and talented guitar player known for his time in the duo Arborea. And just before the pandemic, he released his third solo album, No Love is Sorrow spoke to me from Bergamo, Italy, where he has been living in lockdown throughout the pandemic. After the chat, we'll hear a little bit from that album, and we'll get into some Grateful Dead, so stick around for that. Let me also remind you that I have t-shirts on Redbubble. The link is on my website at brokedownpodcast.blogspot.com. Shout out to whoever it is bought one this past week. Um, You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at brokedownpod. Thanks again to everyone who sent in feedback on episode 92. Feel free to reach out if you have thoughts on that, which you haven't shared, or if anything else comes to mind. Okay, so let's get into this chat with Buck Curran. Well, I want to kind of touch on a little bit of the past year, given where you are in Italy and whatnot. But uh, I'd like to talk about a lot of things, so hopefully we can um, cover some... uh, you know, some positive news and find some, find some light. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: exactly.
0: But, you know, I, I always want to start by well thanking you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, I, I've been enjoying your music. I was, you know, it, I realized, I, I don't know, it was, I guess it was today even that, you know, we communicated, God, back in 2019, um, Mm-hmm. You know, had uh, produced a Jack Rose tribute mm-hmm. that, I was, that I was way into, and I think I had reached out. And I think I said something about it on the podcast here. And since I've been digging into your catalog and the record you put out last year, uh, No Love is Sorrow, which is, uh, is beautiful and has really um, been a good companion in the past year. I keep going back mm-hmm. to it. So, um, yeah, thank you for sitting down to chat.
1: yeah absolutely that's uh another thing thinking about jack's uh passing you know yeah something uh i don't know when you're when you love somebody i don't i don't think uh i don't know how do you resolve uh they're going away (laughs) i don't know you know but uh At the same time, it's like uh, uh, you have you have all your memories and also as an artist, uh, all the music, you know, he made so much brilliant music in in such a, you know, short period of time, basically, almost 10 years.
0: Yeah, so. and I, yeah, I've spent a lot of time digging into his, I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before here, I um actually bought a pelt record here, I live in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is where he was originally from, actually, and I bought a pelt record here in town at a record store that is now defunct, And and I didn't right. know who Jack Rose was at the time, it was just a weird looking record, didn't have much info on it, I was like, okay, I'll buy this. And uh, Ah. uh, the rabbit hole opened underneath me. Um, (laughs)
1: Right. That's great. That's great.
0: Long way to go there. But let's let's talk about you uh, and your music a little bit and where you come from. There's actually some kind of small world intersections here. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I did some research and took some notes and then forgot most of my research I was wondering if you could tell me where you're from originally. I know you're in Italy presently, but you're you're from the U.S. and where'd you grow up?
1: Well, um, that's complicated because my uh, my my mother's from the South, uh, from uh, uh, Paris, Tennessee, and her father's uh, from the South of uh, Kentucky, and uh, so we had that important part of uh our family you know and and that's uh actually where my parents want to move back to uh to maybe paris right now but my dad's from detroit okay okay and uh, uh they're living right now uh, up in grand blanc okay
2: yeah
1: and uh I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah, basically I was raised in a transient environment because uh, my father was in the military Ah. during Vietnam. And uh, eventually when he, when he got, when he got out, he wanted to go back to his roots and uh, my mother uh, followed him basically <laughs> so that's uh kind of uh, I don't know
0: were they uh, were they music fans Did they
1: well my parents had a, a really great um, record vinyl collection which included everything from Tim Buckley to the OJs cool you know and uh, that was and also like 45s they had tons of 45s uh chuck berry uh um um all uh jan and dean all yeah. kinds of like crazy things uh, jan and dean for for one thing was very kind of psychedelic uh for me when i used to listen to that 45 like dead man's curve like oh yeah this kind of, kind of whole like story like yeah. thing <laughs> I, I don't know i so many like uh various like uh, things were imparted to me through their their experience and their record collection BGs also not just like disco BG's but they had uh, Trafalgar Trafalgar oh. you know I used to look I used to look at those vinyl jackets and like what's going on like you know <laughs> but i i don't know i'm i'm showing my age obviously but i i was influenced by so many things like a lot of uh various like movies uh planet of the planet of the, of the apes uh i don't know like um uh, charlton heston omega man you know yeah kind I of things yeah. but uh yeah i like to watch these movies now because Actually do you remember uh, Kojak, uh, Kojak yeah. the night stalker there was there's an episode that i saw a couple years ago on on netflix i think i think when i was on there and i was watching and and there's some encounter he has with a guy on a sidewalk and they're talking about the environment and climate change and stuff and uh the poisoning of <laughs> it's it's so bizarre but it's right. it. It made me realize things that uh, are happening now. People were very like conscious of in the early seventies, you know.
0: Yeah, some folks were very uh, hip to it, and you know, uh, it seems like uh, the big money kept pushing it aside. But there were definitely people who knew.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, there there are so many things uh, post, uh, um, you know post 1960s post the every everything the cultural revolution sexual revolution that that uh filtered into the 70s and when i was a a little child i i i don't know i i just i think i was very um i don't know very receptive to everything you know
0: Kids music just sponges, life you know
1: it just yeah kind of... i think i was just a super sponge or something <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i, I don't cool. know it sounds stupid but um i don't know um basically i i was very um drawn to music okay yeah and, and drawn to my parents record collection and as uh i think i one really big moment for me musically was seeing uh, Hendrix uh, with my mom. We were watching a documentary, and I saw Hendrix play "Johnny B. Good." I think it was uh, some footage from the Berkeley concert he did.
0: Right,
1: and I knew that record from my my parents' forty five collection. But then there was Hendrix doing it, you know.
0: Turning it so, on its ear a bit.
1: Yeah, like superpower, like full speed. Uh, <laughs> and I I just remember feeling like I want to do that, you know, I want to play guitar, you know. And Did- uh Soon after that, I was really deep uh, with listening to BB King and early Eric Clapton and, and things like that, and, and also Birelli Bir, Lagrène, the young uh, at the time, very young, gypsy uh, guitarist, you know, and uh, and flamenco music. Uh, there were, there was a lot of folk music coming into, you know into my uh, listening. And like like I said before, my parents had uh, Tim Buckley, which oh. uh, was very strange, you know, right. when I was young listening but... to that. It was very experimental, that music, I think. Uh, I don't even know how I was able to process that because I think even now it sounds strange. I think he was pushing the 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 limits of everything have you read the uh autobiography or the of uh the guitarist no the biography uh blue melody i think it's called and uh anyways that's that's a great like biography of such a an amazing musician and uh uh i have to
0: look that one up i think you know we take those experimental things more in stride when we're little because i mean there it is it's on a record it's a real thing and yeah yeah you know it must be the way things are you know you don't have like you don't really have the context to understand how weird it is
1: yeah exactly you're you're more maybe more open to it right right um but I I think reading Lee Underwood's uh, biography about that period it really puts you there in the moment, you know, and eventually as you're reading the story, it's like uh, Tim and Lee are playing, uh, you know, and they're playing they're playing all these festivals and all these, they're they're really uh, in the momentum of of doing their thing and making beautiful music and and eventually things start to change and people don't accept uh, are not accepting tim's music anymore you know and next thing you know he's playing bars
0: yeah so. and
1: uh and then music starting popular music starting to shift into disco and and all these other things and I mean how to from from folk and al- alternative rock music of the you know of that period like I don't know. Also, I've read really good biography about Sandy Denny. Uh-huh. Uh I don't I just, know if you
0: I haven't. I just finished Richard Thompson's book the other day. Uh, well, I wanna week.
1: read that one. That's I wanna pretty read good. that one as well. Yeah. Uh, but the Sandy Denny biography is just amazing, as they you know, it's Island Records did not know what to do with her, her at a certain point, they didn't know how to market her, right. you know. Richard and and she just that, uh, yeah, that's crazy, though. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that would be, uh, how that would move or resolve in contemporary times, but um for sure back then nobody knew how to handle it you know and uh i mean
0: I they don't didn't know. even quite know how to produce the records in a way that was you know satisfying that's part of what richard talks about as playing on some of the records seems um uh, uh. you know satisfied with some of the results unsatisfied and she kept she i mean they kind of collectively kept shifting their direction in trying Uh, uh. to find a way to make the right the best record with her and for her and and uh yeah it seems like they i think it seems like it was a uh i don't want to say battle uh seems like it was a challenge which seems crazy when you have somebody who's so talented and you know so just amazing
1: um and and yeah i mean maybe at that point, though, they had all this pressure, right. And, and I think I think about now, like, when, uh, when Shanti and I started making music with uh, Arborea, um, there was a lot of alternative folk things happening. Um, I've thought about writing a book about this, because I, for me, it's very very vivid, everything that happened. I moved to Maine in in 2000. Uh, Soon after that, I started working with Dana Bourgeois, uh, building acoustic guitars. And also uh, I continued making music. And by 2000, um, I would say my daughter was born in 2003, 2004, to five, I started making music uh and bought Shanti her first banjo. And we were starting to make all this music, and there was a lot of things happening in Maine with Micah Blue, Small and uh uh Big Blood or Cer- uh Shoal, which was popular uh band in Maine. I don't know how popular. They were outside of Maine, but eventually um, they formed a a group with Micah called, um, I think, Fire on Fire. And um, uh, Michael Gira Gira, uh, signed them. And uh, there was all this alternative folk scene happening in the mid-2000s so we we started playing gigs with Glenn Jones, uh, many things. Uh eventually we we met Jack and uh, uh, and the and the guys from Espers and Helena espal who was the cellist for Espers, played on Arborea's records. And there was just all this uh movement, you know, and all this like passion for and everybody was doing their own thing, you
0: know, right.
1: Their own been, creative. It was very fertile, you know, creative period.
0: I've been digging basically. into a lot of the music in that era and a lot of the different groups. Uh, Esper is one of them that I, you know, finally took the time to really listen to last year. I just com- completely missed it, um, mm-hmm. in the time. And, um, I think what's interesting to me is that there was some coherence of a scene, as so far as bands playing together and, mm. uh, you know, st- events and things. But again, the music is all everybody's really coming from very different angles and producing very unique work at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, which is um. great. Frankly, we don't need 30 bands that sound the same.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I really felt like everybody was doing something different. Um, I think around 2005, I went down to um, Cambridge area um, to write an article for Acoustic Guitar Magazine uh, about Vetiver, which actually that article never got uh published but nevertheless i went down there and hung out with those guys and a couple years after uh we played a show with them in maine but also we were at the green man festival together and hung out with those guys and i don't know there was so much stuff going on marissa Nadler uh and glenn jones so many people in the new england area um every uh, pff, wow what a what a great what a great time and and right away also during myspace era right which was a different era altogether when you could really kind of communicate with people and our uh our first booking agent in europe got a hold of us through myspace and said hey we're we're organizing a festival in spain do you want to come and and this was around the time of the Green Man Festival in Wales, and you know, we were like, "Of course, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah." The um, uh, my last guest actually, his first his first gig came from somebody reaching out on MySpace, and uh, drove yeah. from New Jersey to Boston, I think it was, to play his first show, and you know, it's just yeah. not quite like that anymore. <laughs> um, it
1: it i i really i don't i don't feel like that i don't feel like at at this point it's really an age gap it really is different
2: yeah
1: it's not it's not as free-flowing now we don't have my space obviously the way it was we're regulated to uh facebook and spotify and these things that seem more controlled and um, compartmentalized,
0: or well, I they don't know, found a way to profit off your interactions. So,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy. And I just it, so a friend of mine, because I just played a bunch of shows in in the UK right before COVID hit, and I played a couple shows with uh, Jennifer Raymond, who's Phenomenal guitarist, and uh, I played in London um, at a friend's club called Helge's, and uh, we were just like, I'm. Mean, it was amazing to go back to England because I hadn't been there in a few years, and reconnect with people, also meeting new people and playing shows with uh like i said with guenifer and and uh feeling like a connection with also with some years ago you know but making kind of a a new scene and uh then all of a sudden pandemic hit and shut down everything you know yeah and uh that was very uh very difficult but uh so many stories
0: (laughs) well maybe i can uh draw you backwards in time a little bit um because Mm -hmm. i know um you started playing young you were in the navy for a little while and then and then after that you were in um you were in norfolk uh, and you worked at ramblin conrad's in norfolk um yeah and and i and Uh i really want to bring this up because i was i lived in norfolk for a little while i went to odu briefly it was a kind of a hazy really hazy time but uh i definitely when? was rambling conrads what year probably 90 year? it would have been fall 92 spring 93 i did one year at that school but uh i definitely went uh-huh. to that shop during that time frame
1: so so did you go to the shop when it was on military highway or when it was on uh 21st street in norfolk
0: military highway i
1: believe Ah, okay. Because that's when I first started working there. I, I basically, I, I, got out of the military and I lived, uh, in a house in Virginia with, uh, a, a guy who was a chief on the ship I was on. And, uh, I, I basically saved enough money for a, a great Martin guitar, nice. my first car and six months of rent, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I got out, and uh, I was looking for work, and I briefly worked with a guy. Um, we were kind of like, uh, I don't know, working on a house, like woodworking, you right. know, like I was uh, sanding floors and stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, I I got the opportunity to work at Ramblin' Conrad's, which was, I mean, cool. <laughs> That was just amazing. So I started working there. I eventually moved to my friend Christian's house, which was right behind in an apartment right behind the plaza that Rambling Conrad's was. So that, uh, first year or two years living there was like amazing, you know, and the great thing about Conrad's was that, um, it was a venue, not right. just a guitar shop. So we had all these great British uh, folk musicians coming through and uh, Do- uh, Doogie McLean, uh Martin Simpson, uh, and American fingerstyle guitarists, you know, like Bill Mize and Ed Gerhard. And my God, <laughs> that was an education for me
2: cool
0: yeah that's that was kind of where i was where i was leading to it it seems like you know it could be a job but it you know could also be this great opportunity to to learn (laughs) and experience right
1: yeah absolutely and i um last year i i released um a live martin simpson album through obsolete which was a, a soundboard recording of a workshop oh, cool. uh, of, of martin simpson's which is amazing you know it was tied in with the performance one year when he was coming through and i would encourage everybody to listen to that because that's some serious guitar knowledge there you know well,
0: i will i'll make yeah. sure everybody sees the link to that on the blog and i'm going to yeah. follow it myself
1: so it's on the obsolete band camp i haven't yet got approval uh, to release it through i'm waiting for uh, martin to uh if he wants to release it on wherever itunes or whatever but for now i'm just uh you know offering it on Bandcamp but cool. i did i did get it uh mastered with uh harris newman who's mastered all of my records in the last 10 years so uh, do I you would, know harris
0: i don't but i would say from listening to your records particularly of late listening to them uh, quite a bit uh that uh, he does good work
1: yeah i mean uh harris is from uh, montreal and he was on Strange Attractors label. He released uh, a record there. You, you can hear fingerstyle guitarist oh, cool. I think uh after he was a friend of uh, Glenn Jones and uh, Jack. And I think after a while, he he just stopped playing music and focused more on mastering and you know uh, Wait, doing
0: ad records, doing that work. Who understands playing too so yeah
1: yeah 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 i i yeah you should definitely check (laughs) it. i think you'd really like his records as well as like great such a great musician
0: check him out so then you as you mentioned you moved up to maine and uh a few years later arborea was formed um you were with shanti already and you discovered her stunning voice like i I, am paraphrasing from another interview that i read is that more or less accurate i mean her voice is amazing and hearing you guys work together on those records is uh, yeah it's well something that everybody really should check out i have to play something from well i know uh red planet just had its 10th anniversary maybe we'll play everybody a little something from that guys were making music together for a number of years. I I don't know if I even have a real question here other than to say talk to me about <laughs> like how 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 that must have been. It's, it's a very fruitful um, collaboration. You guys really did some cool stuff. I really
1: feel like in in my mind that um, because it doesn't feel like so much time has stopped um or Time hasn't moved so much since we uh, stopped uh, playing music in 2015 after our our last tour. But for sure, it was something that was necessary because we had really been working really hard for uh, 10 years, you know, especially at a certain point, we were just on the road nonstop. So
2: wow.
1: uh we would basically do maybe uh from Maine to California and back, take a break, go to England, come back, go to Europe, come back we We literally just toured nonstop for years when a lot of our contemporary f- artists, friends, musician friends, had stopped and doing that we we just kept going uh we also homeschooled our children on the
0: road and um that's, that's difficult i would imagine
1: <laughs> yeah it was difficult but also fun because sure. the last uh the last full-blown u.s tour we did we you know the the music was uh of an enough interest to folks out there that we could not tour every day but we toured every other day so the in in between days we uh organized um stops on the road to see historical sites and you know learn about the united states about the history of the united states and uh, in fact, my, my daughter now, my, my youngest in America is, uh, 18 and she's graduating in June. Right. And, uh, right. I just think about, uh, what a special time that was, you know, to be with the kids like in this, uh, bubble, you know,
0: and like every day,
1: just traveling across the United States for so many years and playing music and and doing we were very fortunate and uh, I think a, a lot of people don't even realize even some of my friends don't even realize what what we were fortunate to have you know because anyways it, it's kind of it's kind of interesting when you look at the success of uh, uh, bands. You know, you have bands that are super hyped in the—I um, don't know how you say—in press or whatever. Sure. And then you have, and and then you have bands like us that were um, successful to a, a degree, and but then were offered opportunities to just constantly play music and and live on the road. You know, and uh, that's basically where I have been until COVID <laughs> happened. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been fortunate. That's why I'm in Italy, basically, because I was on the road making music uh, after Arborea stopped based on that momentum. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and I actually, I just listened to this BBC, um, interview with Martin Carthy because it is his 80th birthday. And I, I've known about him forever. And for sure, Mark, uh, Martin Simpson talks about him in that, that workshop and the relevance of, of Martin's work and, uh, and I mean, to, to bring it back forward, he was talking about the momentum of being on the road and yeah. how he was gutted by, uh, by the pandemic. And I, as soon as he said that, I was like, that's, that's me as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not 80, I'm am 50s now, uh, you know, but and it's uh incredible. Like he he just summarized it so beautifully. And uh I oh. don't know. I, now I, I you know No Love is Sorrows was my third record. I would I just got after like painfully waiting for the vinyl to come out in October. I had five shows um, booked for Switzerland and Italy after those shows. And, and then we went to another uh, red zone lockdown here, and which we've been constantly in a lot like really strict lockdowns in Europe, you know,
0: Right, and you're in the part of Italy where it was like worst earliest.
1: Yeah, we we were the epicenter. We were the epicenter of the pandemic. After infections started to happen in China, it it basically happened here, and uh, we still, I think. Um, The amount of lives that were lost here were concentrated more than anywhere else in the world in this part because in this part of italy is very interesting because there are so many there's there's over a million people that live north of of milan between milan and the the alps it's wow. uh, you have all these villages. It's just, it's not like uh, being in, in like Maine or other places in the United States where you have 40 minutes where you go from one place to the next. You literally have every 10 minutes a new village. So you have this huge population, you have this really high concentration of, of people. 70 and older so these this was the area that was really like uh because of the age uh demographic and everything it it just uh it got we got slammed here and and they went the local governments here they went into a full lockdown quarantine zone we couldn't leave our apartment for Two months, uh, outside of one of us going out for groceries, you know, yeah, um, we couldn't, we couldn't exercise, we couldn't do anything, and a lot of people went nuts. Okay, <laughs> like, well, it
0: it was not that strict in most places here in the states, not even remotely, and people went nuts. So, um...
1: yeah, yeah, and 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 we still had that up to the beginning of uh, May, sorry. Um, We were in in a red zone lockdown uh, through April from like October to April. Again, I was going totally, I was going, everybody here was going nuts. Like we're, uh, we had a brief period where it was like orange zone, yellow zone. And I got a couple of guitar students for two weeks, and then it stopped I again. Yeah. I mean, I I literally I've never not worked in my life, I, and then I I went almost a year with no income, you know. And so uh, wow. not just gigging, but teaching and everything.
0: Did I see recently on Instagram that you you did play? a gig not too long ago
1: yeah on sunday may 9th it was yeah. it was so right before the pandemic hit i started working with a new booking agent here and uh, i've i've been in contact with her since you know uh also she, obviously she's a booking agent for musicians so yeah. she hasn't been working either and uh she just had contacted me a couple days before that show literally a couple days oh wow and i she said do you want to do this gig uh the promoters say you can take a train which was like three hour train from my area to the coast near Geneva." <laughs> oh. and i i had to think about it also because uh it was just so sudden, and but I, I said yes, <laughs> and, and I took my vinyls, which I had gotten right before the last lockdown, and uh, um, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> it was like I don't even know. I'm like I could cry thinking about it. Like it was everybody was so uh, welcoming, so great.
0: And, everybody um, was probably similarly happy for their own reasons. Yeah, and it was there, it right? was
1: an out it was an outside gig because this particular venue which is just like I think 20 minutes north of Geneva is hosted Riley Walker. Okay. Uh they they were telling me uh in 2017 which uh Adele and I saw Riley play in bracia during that same uh um tour and uh and they were saying, yeah, Sun Ra's been here. And, wow. Um, it was great. But they, fortunately, so the inside of the club is closed down. But they have this uh, building where they have this big outside deck area. Okay. So that's, that's where I played.
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. actually going to my first live <laughs> music concert since 2019 tonight. And, um, oh wow <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's uh, so awesome my friend's band has never played a show before they were supposed to they were gearing up for their first show in i think march or late march of 2020 and of course it was canceled and so this is their first show ever wow <laughs> yeah it's, um
1: are you gonna record it
0: no i'm gonna sit back and watch uh, i'm okay. just, i'm not even but... Do you, do
1: you have a Zoom or something like this? Like, I do.
0: You know, I really should just take the thing and put it on the take table. Take the
1: Zoom, ask the guys, plug it into the soundboard,
0: and, uh, uh, you know. You know I what? Was thinking I'm going to text this, him though. right after this, and I'll see what he says. Ask so. him.
1: I was thinking about this uh, to just for a second to go back to my period after the Navy. Um, my passion was playing blues. And also, like writing original at the same time, making original folk folk music. Okay, and uh, the thing was is, I started meeting all these people near ODU. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe you know, do did you ever go to Friar Tux? Yeah. Okay, Uh, (laughs) Friar Tux, but also around the corner at Speedy's.
0: Yeah, I went to Speedy's for Dead Night. (laughs)
1: okay pretty regular yeah every time i went to Speedies, they were always uh jamming uh grateful dead bootlegs
0: yep thursday nights was dead night so i would tend to bring in tapes that would really just run really long and freak people out
1: i would oh my god that i i have so many good memories of of that period that was one of my favorite things i wasn't the the interesting thing was I wasn't really deep into the dead. For me, I was more into Hendrix and bootlegs of Hendrix and improvisation, but I appreciated what I was hearing when I would go there and hear these long extended jams. I mm. was kind of, I was just more into the idea of improvisation and community, which Basically, all that, everything that was going on then was about music, improvisation, and community. I mean, for me, that's what, where I am even now, you know? Yeah. Well. I, I really, I, I, I've been fortunate um, even through some periods of lockdown here to play uh with my friend Jody who plays the Fender Rhodes and uh we released this uh single or this EP um this live EP that was uh recorded for WFMU for Jesse's show and we just improvised that and really like the core of those kind of ideas it's like it's just coming all the way back from those Norfolk days, you know, and bringing it all the way forward. That's awesome. We have this similar thing that's happening here, you know. Well, and, I, and I love we, that live it, session. Um, and okay. three days ago, uh, three days, I'm sorry, three weeks ago, we had this jam. Where there's also a guy, uh, Federico is a percussionist, but also plays jazz drums, and we had two drummers going during this one jam, and nice. full out me playing uh, this great uh, stack electric guitar, uh, <laughs> like a Marshall stack, uh, like we're just like playing full volume improvising and uh i don't know it's like did, i, did I really Zoom? Wanted...
0: did you did you tape that
1: no, no. i have not but we we right. we do have we have recorded a bunch of our jams but not with the two drummers and i'm really hoping to to uh do that soon you know i, I keep telling those guys we have to uh we have to record something <laughs> you know
0: well, some people like myself eat that shit up. Frankly, pardon my language. But... <laughs> so yeah, don't be shy. Always roll tape.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. We we've rolled tape on so many sessions, and between me and Jody, it's more kind of somehow languid because it's just electric guitar and 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 Fender Rhodes. It's 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 definitely meditative, but. The last three jams we had was with our friend John Fu and and this other his friend who plays electric guitar. For some reason, this guy reminds me of uh, the guitar player player from Guns and Roses. Um, uh, Ash, no, 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 with the the hair or Izzy? Guy. Yeah, Izzy, oh, Izzy, cool. kind of like he does these kind of like really raw rhythmic things. Oh, cool and i'm doing this kind of uh more uh ethereal sustaining lead guitar stuff he's doing this raw rhythm jody's playing uh you know doing his piano classical it's just v- a very weird open ended thing you know
0: <laughs> well i'm into it
1: <laughs> and 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 of course i'm I'm doing something outside of my typical acoustic music and I'm also bringing other elements of, of music along the way that have been important to me that is mixing many like stylistic things uh, that I like to throw in kind of like, like paints, you know, like you're painting with styles and music uh, because I have this crazy, uh, love for The Cure and uh, Joy Division mixed with uh, you know um, with uh, Dwayne Allman and and Jimi Hendrix (laughs) so it's sometimes this very staccato and and you know what I mean like very uh, echoey staccato and then all of a sudden like slide guitar and very fluid and so well,
0: I don't you're know. Gonna, you're I'm, gonna have to give me a call when you get a tape of this. So uh <laughs> right? let me know. Um
1: if for me, I'm in the the place of my dreams, really, musically, after all these years. That's great. I'm I'm in a place where I can play like full volume, do all these places I'm playing with there's so many wonderful musicians here in Italy and uh um, and then on the other side, I'm doing this kind of like acoustic guitar things. And also my wife's uh, uh, every day playing sati, and, <laughs> you know, and also her own music uh, developing all these uh, things. So so in this moment, I don't know what to say. It's very crazy and heavy and um intense times but at the same time it's is just it
0: sounds like you're making something of it
1: yeah we're we're just we're trying to create something as beautiful and something as positive as you know as as we can conjure uh you know, amongst all this, uh, all these heavy vibes and uh, all this death, <laughs> basically. Really.
0: Buck, you um, you touched briefly on your work in Luthery, and um, I know that you recently ran a uh, a fundraiser in order to get a hold of a, a guitar that you had commissioned at some point, but were unable to actually. Uh, take possession of when it was made can you do you want to talk about that or
1: yeah that was very uh complicated situation so so over the years i've i've kind of kept a lookout for this guitar that i commissioned in 2009 i actually sent the uh top the red spruce top which i I had gotten from a dealer when I worked at Bourgeois Guitars in, in Maine. And, uh, I wanted Stefan Sobel to build me a, a guitar and, uh, I'd sent the top over even the, the wood for the head plate of the, the headstock. And, uh, and during that period after we had, Gotten the ball rolling, and and uh, I had put a deposit on the guitar. Was right about the time that there was this huge financial crisis in the United States. Yeah, do you remember? Oh, in I remember. Two thousand nine. Yeah, and around the same time, Arborea had been working with a label that was not um, uh, very nice with. You know, paying us uh, royalties and things we were uh, due, and we were constantly touring around. And, and basically, I, I couldn't afford to buy the guitar. Mm. <laughs> and I unfortunately had to keep putting off buying the guitar because at that point, I wasn't working at Bourgeois anymore, and I was touring full time. So we're we were making enough money to survive and pay the mortgage on the house but not for extras. Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. As a and, guy who's been playing the same guitar for uh, 30 years, I can understand the um, yeah. <laughs> buying that buying that nice guitar, paying for that dream guitar sometimes is it's a luxury that you can't always um, can't always get to.
1: It, yeah, it was just nothing I could arrive to. Basically, I I I had to constantly put it off. I I think if I could have worked out a deal, which I offered um, to make small payments, but it wasn't practical for him as well as a builder to survive off of. Right. You know, these kind of smaller. Uh, hey, I'll send you a hundred dollars every month or whatever you know so uh eventually um some years went by and i understood he had the guitar for a while um a friend of mine who was a luthier in california a really re- renowned luthier um had contacted me in 2016 and said hey i played your slumbering guitar and uh, it's a great instrument. You should do whatever you can to buy that guitar. <laughs> oh, wow. So, which which made me uh, wow? <laughs> it, it just it, after so long, like tormenting. How how do I obtain this guitar at this point and not drive the the builder? crazy as well um eventually not so long after that point i had sold some instruments and i was able to buy the guitar and i got a hold of stefan and he's he had sold it to a collector from london so i lost it (laughs) so at at that point though being a guitar builder maker working with dana in that kind of world i understood that um uh, people who collect guitars don't
0: always keep them <laughs> right it's okay. not like me a record collector who as i my wife no, says can we get rid of some of these and i was like no i'm a collector not a dealer there
1: there's <laughs> a lot of guys out there that buy Uh, commission high dollar guitars and they have enough money to get them and trade them off right away (laughs) because they want the next thing that's you know what I mean like uh, I'm
0: aware of this I I just I don't I like I I can't wrap my head around what that must be like yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so so knowing that though I always have kept a lookout like on blogs like not like every day but
0: every, every then, few sit down every few
1: months just la- type in uh specs of the guitar see if anything comes up and not not so long ago i i i got i i saw it basically a conversation on a guitar luthier um forum hmm. And that got me writing people. Hey, where's the? Do you know about this? Where is that? And I found the guitar in Japan. Japan. Yeah. In a uh, and second owner decided to sell it and and put it in a, a renowned guitar shop in Tokyo. <laughs> so immediately I felt like this is some kind of sign right Right. so i um i uh started brainstorming what what can i do because especially after not making any income not being able to tour doing anything uh being stuck in in italy like how do i how do i figure this out but of course Over the years, many friends of mine have been successful with uh, crowdfunding of records. Like my friend, Christopher Paul Stelling, who released a great album on Anti Records uh, last year, Um, he was unable to tour on that record. um, And he started crowdfunding for a, a new record, which he was very fortunate and and was able to finance uh, a new record and he's he's putting it out soon you cool. know but very fast you know and uh so it just kind of encouraged me to maybe try it again <laughs> but i'm horrible at these things really i i failed so miserably oh no honestly yeah yeah i i did get some really great people who supported um supported the you know the crowdfunding efforts and but um i kind of uh failed to a large degree but the good story the good part of the story is that i had one person that came forward to help me finance the guitar so and i have it now
0: oh that's amazing <laughs> um.
1: i haven't uh i haven't you know said anything you know publicly yet but um is, is it I okay have the if guitar. i put
0: have this in here in this episode yeah come out next the, week? Okay. the
1: thing is i re- I really have to start gigging uh to help pay back the guitar
0: <laughs> yeah well i hear you so. I, I
1: need to start working because i don't even it's it's actually so overwhelming that i have the guitar i think about it every day <laughs> now <laughs> and it actually got stuck in customs for 10 days where there was a period where maybe I wasn't going to get it because right. the wood is made of Madagascar, the back oh. insides, but it's older Madagascar. And, uh, we were able to prove with, with these kind of woods that, yeah. um, if it's already built in an instrument, it's exempt from the CITES, uh, treaty. So, um, and yeah, I think the instrument was made in 2009. So I think Stefan had that wood for already 10 or 15 years before that, you know? Wow. So, so it's very old wood. It's, it's not like uh, there was an issue with that. You know, it was just trying to the DHL and the people in customs, they didn't understand. And they were like, okay, this was endangered uh we have to hold the guitar and then after so many days they're like no we need to understand it further we have to uh talk with the uh customs and uh the regulatory systems in in rome (laughs) so yeah (laughs) wow wow i was so stressed for so many days i
0: i can't even imagine
1: and I have to say, it is mind blowing. <laughs> I That's don't even. Know. This guitar is like so special. My my friend, who's a, a singer who I work with from, uh, uh, she's from Turkey originally. She just came over last week, and I showed her the guitar, and she was strumming, and she was like, "Oh my god! It's like, <laughs> what is it? What is going on? This this guitar is like a cathedral or something." Oh, wow. It's uh, well, uh, I have to also understand how to record it.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that takes some doing just to figure out how to set up the mics to capture it properly. Yeah,
1: it's it's not like a typical Martin guitar, anything I've built. So wow. I want to uh, also honor it in the way that I was talking about, you know, in the project, which I, I, is. which is more so important now all this like one of the main things was this uh project where i wanted to record in specific spaces with beautiful natural reverbs and this guitar is gonna is it's already got this like adele said it's like with the the foot pedal down on the piano mm. it, it like you touch it and it starts singing <laughs> so, so i have to kind of learn also how to rein it in somehow right. you know but it sounds great with slide also Wow! <laughs> well
0: i look so, forward to hearing what you can do with it um and yeah. we'll, uh hopefully some folks will follow the links that i'll share to the Bandcamp page and they'll find something that they uh they want to uh, check out, and they can throw it, you know buy something, mm-hmm. buy the records, people. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks uh, so
1: much for uh, talking with me. And well, uh, oh, thank you. I know it was for sure like super rambling and crazy, disjointed, but
0: <laughs> I think it'll it'll come out just fine. And uh, and I've enjoyed it quite a bit. I think everybody else will too um and you know we'll play everybody something from no Love is sorrow uh, after this and
1: i think oh thanks man thank i was
0: just listening to that again today and it's just that's such a it's a really nice record and i think uh, everybody will enjoy it and uh yeah thank you so much buck
1: yeah thank you thank you
3: Letting go of all these blues Laying down all my sorrow Adrift upon the open sea Currents of love compel me Your rhythms of faith propel me Out of the night Into light Into your loving arms You better believe Jeans can bind me in that place you find me, and your love sets me free. And no ropes can tie me in that way you know me, and your love sets me free. Sun shines down, burned away all these lies. Turn these blues around, gives truth to this life. Oh, you better put. Laying down all my sorrow, adrift upon the open sea. Currents of love compel me, rhythms of faith propel me out of the night, into the light, into your loving arms, you better believe.
0: again to buck curran for chatting with me he's a really interesting and cool guy you just heard odyssey from his new album no love is sorrow which is available at obsoleterecordings.bandcamp.com back amid the conversation i dropped in an arborea track from their album red planet the song was careless love and i think you'll agree that both are beautiful tracks you can find red planet on Bandcamp. Uh, along with, I think, the entire Arborea catalog at arborea.bandcamp.com. All of those links are on my blog, if that makes it easier for you. So let's talk Grateful Dead. Fifty years ago this week, the Grateful Dead played the Winterland, and after reports of a thousand people getting heavily dosed on some spiked cider or Kool-Aid or something or other, resulting in a number of emergency room trips, folks, the ER isn't where you want to go. But anyways, uh, there were calls in the city to revoke Bill Graham's permit to hold shows at the venue. Now, we all know Uncle Bill weathered the storm and the shows carried on. But I will tell you, reports such as this one from the Berkeley barb they, uh, well, here, let, let me read this to you. Quote, people were freaking out all over the place. It was like people were being shot down. People would fall down, struggle to get to their feet again. One guy fell on about five people. They all fell like dominoes. Time actually halted as if we were dead. Jane and I were the only ones standing in a five-foot radius while the people all around us were squirming on the floor like dying fish. That's wild stuff. You can see why that might have been controversial. Uh, You know, some things we don't run out and put in the press, maybe? I don't know. But uh, let's hear a little bit of what the Grateful Dead did that night. There is a longer tape of poor quality. There are reports that this show was canceled and that the tapes are from one of the other nights, but I trust my sources. This is 52971. And what we have is an excerpt of a beautifully mastered recording courtesy of Charlie Miller. It's light years in quality beyond the other available source. And uh, we're going to listen to just the meat of the tape. It's. Um, blistering is a word people use it i god i mean it's it's so hot seriously this stuff rips phil's turned up really nice everybody's just going after it i'm gonna shut up and let you hear it for yourself so until next time be well
4: Yeah, keep chugging Like the dude of men Together, Together More and less in line Just keep chugging oh 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 oh
2: oh
4: <laughs> girls are kneeling They're flashing monkeys On Old Main Street Chicago, New York Kids running It's on the same street The typical scene In London and t- daydream hang it up and see what tomorrow brings. palace got a summer machine Houston close to coast new old New york got the way true love Most of the time the sign is grinding cold Well, you know she isn't the same. Living on reds and vitamin C and cocaine. All a friend can say is ain't it a shame. Oh, yeah. up to Buffalo, a man thinking, got the mellow so. Everything when I kick the door in again i like to get some sleep before I travel You are don't want ice, I'm gonna come in Busted, down on Bourbon Street Set up. up like a bowling pin Knocked down, get it gets a wearing fan They just won't let you be, be. of hanging around to need like a travel. You can try to travel and you want to settle down. I get the not boat this overdrive. Get out of the door line and look around. Oh, 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 well, oh, get back oh, So
5: your best, more than my wife. 10, for some other fuckers crap. She A lot to win and even more to lose I told you all that went down. It would burn off both the old years. Goes to show you don't ever know. Watch each card you play and play it slow.